Good evening. Thanks for joining. L. Todd Wood is on assignment tonight. I'm Bill Quinn. Uh, CDM continues to expand. Now, in addition to the Georgia record, we have digital properties all across the country. Some of those include uh, the Connecticut Sentinel, the Manhattan, Miami Independent, the Easton Gazette, Armed Forces Press, and new sites coming online in the next, next weeks. Our global presence now includes Eastern Europe, the Balkans, and the Middle East. So every day, we are working to bring you more timely, more reliable, more relevant information. Please, if we can ask, join us in this, in this uh, fight by subscribing to our no ad subscription. It's right on the front page and you get access to all our papers with no ads. Every single subscription helps us bring more information to more people in Georgia, in the US and around the world. So thank you for joining if you can. As financial markets uh, continue every day to provide uncertainty, sometimes volatility, um, certainly confusion, you may wanna seek out an expert. David Cross is one such expert and a trusted patriot. Here's a message from him. This is a special report. Knowing how to invest your money is harder than ever before. Dealing with stock market volatility, record debt, and terrorist attacks requires new thinking. At U.S. Asset Management, we can help you see the world more clearly so that you can move beyond the chaos and invest with confidence. Call us, visit us online, or drop by our office. U.S. Asset Management, helping you make better decisions with your money. So we are delighted to have uh, our first guest. Let me bring him in. Peter Galuli, the CEO of The Wellness Company. Peter, thank you for being with us. Bill, thanks for having me. Happy Thanksgiving. Uh, happy Thanksgiving. Where it, it snuck up on me. I don't know about you, but all of a sudden it's days away. So uh, we, are, we are looking forward to it. So um, just like uh, you might, might have heard me describe uh, CDM, um, your company, The Wellness Company, is expanding and and bringing um, supplements and, and uh, treatments to more and more people every day. So um, I noticed that there were uh, good, I call them good polls. People are now becoming, I think, more educated than, than they were even six months ago. And folks that may in the past have taken uh, certain shots um, and, and exposed themselves to spike proteins and other things, are, are looking to take steps to mitigate any risk that they may have exposed themselves to. So I know you guys are working on that. Maybe you could expand on some of the offerings that you guys have that, that addresses that. Yeah, thanks, Bill. And, and for the audience out there, if you don't know the wellness company, um, we're a small independent company that was founded by a group of doctors, including Dr. Peter McCullough, who I'm sure many in your audience know, um, who were just fed up and frustrated by how many people were abandoned and hurt and left behind by the healthcare system during the COVID-19 pandemic. So uh, under the leadership of our chief medical board, we've designed a full suite of alternative um, and preventative supplements and telemedicine offerings that we want to bring to Americans everywhere. Uh, to your point, Bill, um, the shot's still here. It's kind of hard to hard to fathom at this point. You just turn on, you know, football on a Sunday afternoon and, and there's Travis Kelsey getting a shot in his arm and smiling on a Pfizer commercial that he got paid $20 million to do, uh, which is, it you know, just blows my mind. But you play back the tape here since the summer, the CDC first shut down the VARS system, which was the vaccine injury reporting system. This was after some 10 million Americans uh, reported uh, serious illnesses using the system. Uh, and like, that's just Americans who even knew the system existed and got the vaccine. Uh, this shot is going to go down in history, Bill, as the deadliest patient in human history, without a doubt, hands down. So one of the things that we get all the time here at the wellness company is, hey, I was tricked or coerced or misled into getting the shot. How can I detox? And that's why we have a product called Spike Support. So this was designed by Dr. Peter McCullough based on his clinical experience treating the vaccine injured. Uh, it contains enzymes like natokinase, which is an enzyme that's been shown to break down spike protein in vitro, as well as other herbal compounds that have been shown to block spike protein from attaching the cell. And spike protein, for the viewers who may not know, that is the substance that delivers mRNA into your body, either from the COVID-19 infection or from the jab, where it was about a billion times more potent than the infection. 
Um, but we see people that use it also prophylactically, Bill. Um, shedding is, is a real concern for many Americans today. Uh, it especially affects women. Um, there's been reports and there's journal studies being written right now about menstrual irregularities uh, due to uh, shedding issues that women experience from being in large, crowded public places. Uh, and we really re recommend spike protein as a daily, or spike support as a daily uh, prophylactic in order to help combat spike protein and its toxic effects on the body. And we've had fantastic results. Yeah. If I understand the, uh, the um, spike support product, it, it helps the body break down the spike proteins and then also helps get them out. Is that right? You're correct. I mean, spike protein is a foreign man-made substance. Uh, the body's immune system is not naturally as equipped to combat it uh, as it would be a natural born uh, virus like your common cold. So uh, this gives your body the tools, the weapons it needs to help combat the effects of uh, excess spike protein in the body. Yeah. And then, and then help your immune system get back to where it really should be. There's been so many, it's kind of funny you brought up the, uh, the female um, uh, issues and there's been quite a number of them from what I understand, but that one is particularly troubling because uh, as you say, it can be simply from shedding, shedding for, for folks that don't know is, you know, your body can give off um, and correct me if I get this wrong, but it can give off uh, particles of, uh, of the spike protein that can actually be picked up by other people through normal everyday contact um, doesn't, doesn't take a shot. And so potentially you could be exposed um, without even knowing it sometimes. I mean, in intuitively it makes sense, Bill, just like, just like, you know, germs and viruses, other bugs are um, transmitted through, you know, the aerosol in your breath or, you know, sweat and, and other bodily fluids. Uh, the same goes with, with things like spike protein that are put in your body. And by the way, this isn't a new phenomenon. The concept of vaccine shedding has been studied now for decades with all the other vaccines. There's now 72 on the childhood vaccine schedule, believe it or not, uh, that are administered to Americans today. It's a well-known phenomenon, a well-documented phenomenon. And it especially affects sensitive populations, which are you know, typically um, women and children, sadly. Yep. Yep. Well, exposure, too, I would think would be a would be a concern. And, you know, here we are, as you said, we're right right before Thanksgiving. We're heading into um, a season where a lot of people travel. They travel across the country. Sometimes they travel outside the country. And uh, I, you know, I, I remember from many years of travel myself, you know, you go through an airport with a quarter million of your closest friends and you get exposed to a lot. You pick up uh, all kinds of things as you're going through that. that so this and, and actually your emergency kit can help um, with those folks, too, as they travel, can it? Yeah, that's exactly right, Bill. And, and the message I would have for you know, the audience at, at CDM is don't be afraid. Right. I mean, go live your life, but be prepared. Right. I mean, we all know the next crisis is all around the corner and there's really no excuse for anybody not to be taking uh, their health and their wellness into their own hands. Right. I mean, you look at the headlines and, and I had to laugh and shake my head, Bill, the CDC director. Did you see the recommendations for Thanksgiving dinner this year? Oh, gosh, I can only imagine. I hadn't I hadn't seen it, but I but take, the comedy take, is take, approaching. Here we go. Ready? Social <laughs> distance. Uh, Wear a mask when you can and try to eat outside if possible. Oh, I mean, they, they, they can't back down at this point, Bill, from these recommendations because uh, that'll prove that everything that they've done so far was a fraud. So um, as we kind of go into Thanksgiving here together, um, you know, let's just take some common sense uh, approaches, right? So stay, keep your immune system strong. It goes without saying, everyone should be doing that anyway. But also be prepared in case something goes wrong. Um, you know, a lot of people haven't gone home in, in many years. Uh, I'm willing to bet a lot of Americans' hometowns have changed, uh, sadly. Um, one thing that we've been kind of witnessing a lot at the wellness company was this concept of pharmacy deserts. So currently mm. over 40% of Americans live over 10 miles away from the nearest pharmacy, which is kind of mind blowing in this day and age. Uh, but in fact, it's actually been getting worse, not better lately. And that's pretty much because Walmart, CVS, Rite Aid, the big corporate pharmacies have been coming in, blowing up the you know independent mom and pop Main Street pharmacies that we all went to for years by undercutting them on pricing and having longer hours. Uh, and then when they find out that they can't reach the profitability target in a small town that they want, they shut down and the town's left high and dry. So um, that's one of the reasons why we encourage every American to, to go get a medical emergency kit. 
So uh, we've been offering these at the wellness company now for a few months. They're wildly popular. They contain eight life-saving medications that every American should have in their medicine cabinet right next to Tylenol and Advil. Things that you know, like amoxicillin, ivermectin, z uh, It's all in that box, and it's one simple prescription kit that every American should, should have for the next crisis, no matter what it is. Yeah. And hopefully, you know, hopefully we don't see a crisis, but it was just two months ago that weren't they foretelling, oh gosh, it looks like we've got something new coming into the country. And so it makes, you know, an emergency kit like this, even that much more um, uh, imperative to have with it. Mm -hmm. And you can travel with this, right? So we could have it with you no matter where you are. Yeah, that's exactly right, Bill. It's it's small, it's portable. Uh, you can go to twc.health CDM and, and actually just see the image of it. It's a it's a small box, you know, the same size of your of your toiletry box that you can quickly throw into a backpack or a carry on. Yeah, yeah. So um, the other thing that's come up, we we heard it, uh, I think, on our last show. Somebody mentioned it. The uh, you know the notion of uh, another election coming up. Oh gosh, wasn't it wasn't it just before another big election that uh, you know COVID made its uh, made its presence known, and so people are you know are, are not. Um, ignoring the possibility of something coming up in, in the case of this year. So it makes it obviously even that much more important to get uh, prepared, have it, have it available. The, one of the things I, I think some people miss too, is when they go to order this, they actually get uh, the opportunity to talk to one of your staff and, and make sure it's, uh, it's aligned to what they need. Is that right? Yeah. So, so to be clear for the medical emergency kit, and we also have a COVID version if people are extra concerned with COVID and would like to have something like hydroxychloroquine on hand. But for the medical emergency kit and all of our emergency kits, they are a prescription product. You're never going to find this in your local drugstore, in your local, local supermarket. So you simply purchase as you would any online purchase. And then after you're done, you'll see a big button there that says uh, complete the questionnaire. Uh, it'll walk you through a five-minute questionnaire that'll gather basic medical data about you, height, weight. Uh, allergies to medications. And if a doctor needs to follow up with you on any of those, they'll give you a call. Uh, but if everything checks out, they should approve your script and, and have the medical emergency kit sent to your door. Okay. But Bill, I would also say, you know, you, you mentioned something a minute ago about kind of the next pandemic surprise, right? I, I'm not going to sit here and pretend to tell your viewers I know what's coming because truthfully, I don't. Um, but I see weird things happening, Bill, that, that leave a bad taste in my mouth. And I'll tell you one of them. So Mm -hmm. uh, you might not have heard of a substance called uh, phenylphrin, right? It's a weird name, uh, but it's actually the active ingredient that's in Dayquil, Mucinex, Sudafed, Theraflu. It's the decongestant. So out of the blue last week, the FDA declared that they don't believe phenylphrin is just that effective anymore. They think the, the studies don't show that it actually works. And I mean, all of these drugs that I just mentioned, they've been on the market for decades. I mean, I think you and I, you know, how many times have you used one of those drugs, Bill? I mean, many, I, I, many I, times I, for years. Many times, right? Yeah. And yeah. use them because they work, right? I mean, you don't use them because they don't. Um, <laughs> but, the, you know, now CVS pulling all these drugs from the shelf, right? Now, are these drugs also helpful against, you know, COVID infections or whatever's next? I, probably. I mean, we'll never know if they're not on the shelves. But I just see these actions out there, Bill, and it just kind of reminds me is like, gosh, you know, I'm not a big hoarder or a big stockpiler, but uh, when it comes to things like food, ammo, gold, and meds, I don't want to be caught left without them. So I think it's just smart business for every American to have this stuff in their home. Yeah. It's always good to be as self-sufficient, I think, as we can be, right? So yeah. whatever surprises come, you uh, you can pivot and deal deal with what you need to do to protect your family. So exactly. uh, one other thing I wanted to make make sure we uh, we talked about, the, the emergency kit is really aligned to be for one person. As you say, you, you submit things like weight and so forth. So, you know, if, if you have um, other other folks in the family, you should consider having them for each each individual so they're aligned properly. Is that fair? Yeah, that's correct. They're, they're prescribed per individual and, and, you know, the prescription needs to be written in the name of the individual that purchases it. Yeah. Um, if you would like to give, you know, one to your family member this Christmas, you know, we do offer gift cards. If you would, you know, like to you know, gift it to somebody else, that's the, the way I would go about doing it. Oh, that's great. Um, so we, we talked a little bit about the expansion of uh, the wellness company and the acceptance across the market. Um, Dr. Uh, Drew Pinsky joined your organization, I understand, recently, and I thought that was fascinating. He was well known across the country for, as is Dr. McCullough and, uh, and the other 
uh, folks that are with you. But I thought you might want to comment on how that came about a little bit about uh, Dr. Drew joining. Yeah, it's a great question. And we're truly honored to have Dr. Drew on the team. Dr. Drew has been a fixture of television media for decades. I mean, since he was on Love Line with Adam Carolla in the 90s, right? <laughs> um, but believe it or not, I don't think a lot of people realize this about Dr. Drew. He's, he's not just some media personality. He's a practicing doctor. He still sees patients every single day. He has a clinic. Um, so um, Dr. Drew, you know, really over the past few years, has just kind of witnessed, like the other doctors that kind of lead our chief medical board alongside Drew now, uh, this pretty landslide shift in, in how the medical system treats doctors. I mean, the old world used to place the doctor-patient relationship in sort of a sacred um, uh, altar, right? And, and that's just not the case anymore. Um, doctors are employees, sadly, of hospitals, and they don't have the autonomy to choose what's necessarily best for the patient. They need to choose what insurance code is best for the patient, mm -hmm. uh, what standard of care, what, you know, canned response they need to be giving that's going to maximize hospital profits. And by the way, they can't leave the hospital because they leave medical school with a half million dollars of debt. So they need to work to pay that off. <laughs> yeah. And if they go against something that, you know, the FDA says, like we saw back during COVID, they'll get deboarded. Um, and, and it kind of went, hit Drew pretty hard at home because he said, look, like, you know, everything that I was taught, you know, it, it's kind of been uh, trampled on now by all these special interests in these, you know, big, powerful corporations and government agencies. So Dr. Drew joined the wellness company because he really wants to put the control back in the hands of the patient. Dr. Drew's always been about patient education first, and he wants the patients to make the best health and lifestyle decisions. So Drew is extremely excited to join us because he has a slew of very exciting ideas about different things that we can provide to the patient in terms of not only medical services through our 50 state telemedicine practice, but also supplements and also education that we can give to people nationwide so that they can really take control of their health. Because at the end of the day, we don't want you to wait to be sick. We want you to be uh, practicing preventative care so you don't get sick in the first place. And that's what it's all about. That sounds like the perfect goals. One more time, let's take another one last look at uh, the Spike support and maybe uh, tell people how they can find all the different things that uh, the wellness company has uh, available. Yeah, thank, thanks, Bill, for the plug. You know, twc.health, not .com, twc.health slash CDM. You can use promo code uh, CDM there that you see on the screen for 10% uh, off your order. Uh, you can browse the website. We have uh, about 25 different supplements designed by our chief medical team. Everything from Spike Sport, which you see on the screen, to a wonderful melatonin-free sleep formula, to a blood sugar control formula. Uh, very popular, great stuff. I really encourage all Americans to take a good hard look at getting on a supplement regime because of the you know, malnutritions that run rampant through modern diets. It's, yeah. it's, it's crew. It's, it's the vitamin deficiencies are, are truly startling. And look, if you would like to be prepared this holiday season, uh, you can go to the homepage there and you'll see the medical kits uh, right there on the homepage. Uh, go take a look at them. Um, I really think it's a worthwhile investment for everybody to make uh, in their future to stay safe and well. Yeah. As you were speaking, it struck me that, you know, the, the company has the perfect name. It's not just for addressing, illness, but also making sure that, that you are as well as, you know, as, as full of health as you can be uh, through the supplements and so forth that you guys offer. So thank you. Um, thanks for being with us. I bet, I bet we're going to have the chance to catch up again sometime during the holidays, see how things are going. And uh, hope so. let's hope, let's hope we don't have a surprise to talk about, but if we do, um, I'm, I'm confident we'll get the straight from you guys. So thank you so much and, and best of the team. Thank you for joining us. Thank you, Bill. God bless. God bless. All right. Well, that was uh, that was a great visit. So again, um, Wellness Company has wonderful uh, products, and uh, uh, I'm sure that uh, many of our uh, uh, listeners and viewers will uh, want to investigate that at their site, twc.health. So um, as we uh, as we go on this evening, you know, one of the other areas to talk about is where are we getting our nutrition? Are we sure that it's the right kind of food? Is it protected from intrusion of things like mRNA and other things? Um, Family Beef Box is a wonderful provider. Uh, we, we use them uh, within the uh, within the Georgia Record and and uh, CDM family. And so let's hear from uh, from Family Beef Box and hear about their uh, their offerings. 
It's gonna be a good day. Monday we do have a little bit left available here. Check us out familyfarmbeefbox.com. Thanks. Have a good day. So I, I know that uh, uh, Glade Miller Smith's uh, ads are a little light on detail so I thought we'd just make sure everybody knows what this is. It's Nebraska beef uh, dry aged. It's uh, traditionally butchered right there on site. They only do a few head every week. And uh, he does not allow any mRNA vaccines or anything else to touch those cows. So uh, delicious, fun, so that uh, when you order this, you get exactly the types of, uh, you know, types of uh, cuts that you wish. You can uh, specify various types of cuts. And um, just a wonderful, wonderful family and a wonderful provider. So one more time, family, uh, family farm beef box. So um, earlier this week, uh, Todd uh, Wood had the chance to catch up with General Michael Flynn, and so we wanted to share that this evening and, and hear about uh, General Flynn's impressions of what's going on in the world, um, some of the conflicts, and some of the dynamics that are playing out. So here is uh, Todd and General Flynn. Welcome back to Information Operation. We're proud to have uh, General Michael Flynn with us today, and he's going to discuss at our request some geopolitical uh, 30,000 foot views of what's happening around the world because a lot of it is very confusing. Welcome to the show, sir. Appreciate it, Todd. It's great to, uh, to see you again and uh, appreciate uh, everything that you uh, are out there talking about these days, especially the audience that you have, you know, on this uh, kind of a Veterans Week, Veterans Month, maybe. Yeah. Uh, coming into Veterans Day, you know, there's a lot going on in the world. And uh, anybody that served our country or continues to serve our country and, you know, particularly in the military, you know, I'm always, always honored to talk to that kind of a group of people. Well, thank you very much. Um, and I'm sure you'll be well received. So, look, I mean, there's a lot of confusion going on. Ukraine was, uh, in my opinion, pushed for the wrong reasons. I mean, the, the U.S. military seems to be fighting for the to the last ukrainian in ukraine and uh now we're coming the chickens are coming home to roost a lot of the uh i think the average age of the ukrainian soldiers now is 43. i was told this morning they're pulling people below 18 to go into the ranks because there's just not that many people left to fight and then you have what's happening in, in gaza uh which to me is is uh interesting and needs to be delved into exactly how it started what, what are your thoughts on this overall general situation we find ourselves in well, I mean, you know, God, where do you start? You know, yeah. the Ukrainian, so so the European problem goes back to the collapse of the Soviet Union and the end of the Cold War and the, uh, and the conversation and, frankly, the decision-making done by, I think it was Thatcher, Bush, uh, Gorbachev, and, uh, and Mitterrand, I think, or maybe it mm -hmm. was... Uh, I forget, I forget the German chancellor at the time, 1992, I believe. Maybe Cole. They, I don't remember. Huh? Yeah. Maybe Cole. Yeah, it may be Cole. Yeah. Um, at the time, you know, they agreed that there would not be any further expansion of NATO. And there was also some talk about potentially Russia becoming part of that alliance. Maybe not necessarily a, a direct partner, but certainly, you know, to have some sort of partnership role. And in fact, the United States of America, because I participated in these things, we, we had this thing called Partners for Peace, right, which were mm -hmm. exchanges of, of military, uh, military to military exchanges. We had, you know, the 82nd Airborne Division doing, doing airborne operations over in Ukraine. I mean, we had all kinds of, you know, sort of things that we called peace dividends, right? Mm -hmm. And now here we are, fast forward, whatever that is now, 30-something years later, and and uh, and we are uh, we're at the tail end of what is a continuing losing war. Okay, so the war in Ukraine didn't start uh, a couple of years ago. The war in Ukraine, really, if you really want to put a fine point on it, it started at the end of the Cold War. Okay, 
with mm-hmm. the with the uh, the incursion. I think at that time we had probably 16 countries in NATO, and now we now we have uh, I don't even know what the number is today. It's probably 27, 28 maybe. Yeah, I think. And, and you're now yeah. abutting up. You're now abutting up to the Russian Federation. So decisions that were made by nations, by leaders of nations at that time in the in the early 90s have all been violated. Okay, that's number one. Number two, in 2014, right after the Sochi Olympics, the Russians attacked, while, while President Obama was the president, the Russians attacked uh, the, the two Eastern Donbasses in Crimea because they, they, they saw enormous weakness in the United States of America. We were so tied down in places like Afghanistan, Iraq, mm-hmm. and elsewhere on the global war on terror. And we were, we were not uh, succeeding in those at all at that time. So, so Russia and under Putin took the advantage to, to jump into those two Eastern Donbasses and Crimea. And then all of a sudden you have a guy like Trump comes on, comes on the scene. He's able to like, okay, you know, we're, we're not going to continue with this. We're going to show some strength here. And he, he did some things that, that showed that there was a consequence for an action. And he did it not necessarily in Eastern Europe, but he did it in other parts of the world where when he demonstrated that there was a consequence for a negative behavior, that, that makes the world leaders take a step back. And now we come back into another administration, and another administration immediately demonstrates weakness, you know, not just with the, with the uh, surrender and retreat in Afghanistan, you know, going on two and a half years now, almost two and a half years, right? August, right. I guess it was two years. You know, so the level, the amount of weakness that we have demonstrated, you know, that's why we have the problems that we have in Ukraine. Now, the war in Ukraine, I've been I've been talking about this from the from the beginning, uh, even in 2014, where you know some of the some of the issues I got into while I was still in in uniform at the Defense right. Intelligence Agency. You know, th- th- this is a loser, and it's always been a loser. And and unless unless we want to go to a world war, you know, three uh, in Europe, it it has been a loser from the beginning. And we have been saying that there have been those of us that have been standing our ground and saying that. And guess what? Guess what, Todd? It's a We're loser. Right. <laughs> it's, a, it's a total loser. We have spent enormous resources that we don't have. We don't, you know, we the the Ukrainian uh, military and the and the Ukrainian uh, uh, political leadership. They're frankly fascists. They've shut down all journalists, all all the independent journalists over there. They've shut down the churches, and they're basically fighting a, a uh, you know, what I would say is a, is a sort of a strategic defense, if you want to put a, if you want to put a military term on it, that's, that has been a loser from the beginning. There has been no victories by the Ukrainian military from the beginning, and, and Russia has been able to maintain essentially what Putin stated at the very beginning in, in uh, a couple of years ago, where he said this is a war of limited objectives. And those limited objectives were to basically hold on to what he had, and to demonstrate that we are not going to put up with this uh, this guy named Zelensky. Now, all that said, uh, you know, I think one of the things that we're going to find out, I actually think that we're going to find out that Putin and Zelensky have been working together. Now, this is total speculation. I don't have any evidence of this. I'm just as in my you know analytic brain, and as yeah. I put my my feet into the boots of our enemies for many many years, Todd you know, and try to imagine the kind of scenarios that I can imagine, because that's the world of, of uh, certainly of a military intelligence officer, a good one, that I actually have a sense that Putin and Zelensky have been playing us like a cheap fiddle. And, and, uh, and, and look at what we have done, right? Look at what we have provided. Look at the resources that we have invested. And Look at what it has done to the United States of America. Right, we're in a much, much weakened position right now at home. Probably the weakest position we have been in, you know, and in, in definitely in my lifetime. And I think historically, I can't, I can't put a, um, I can't, you know, see something historically from the very beginning of our country where we have been in this kind of a weakened position, especially with the, the, you know, the overemployment of resources overseas. The, the, the debt that we have and all of the challenges that we have right here in the homeland with with this illegal invasion and uh, and drug problems and crime and you know you name it so all of those things aside the the war that has been taking place in Eastern Europe principally in Ukraine has been a loser from the beginning 
we have never had, not once, not once, we've never had this, this current president of the United States, Joe Biden, not once has he sat, stood up and given a State of the Union and said, here are the three objectives that we are trying to achieve in, the, in Ukraine to, in order to defeat Russia. We, we've never heard that. We haven't had any, any definition of vital national security interests. We've never really had any clear, clearly articulated uh, uh, objectives outlined as to what it is that we, you know, and I mean clear objectives. I mean objectives that are achievable, uh, you know, winnable, and, 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 and have some sort of end game, have some sort of end state, right? We've never had that. I, if, you, if, you, if, if I'm mistaken, please let me know. No, and, you're and right. You're right. Are. And we agree so, with you on Zelensky, by the way. We think your mock is a, his closest, is probably his lover, but also is probably working for Russia. But go ahead. Yeah, and so, and so if, if we're right about that, Todd, if we're right that we're being played by in this, in this very geostrategic, geopolitical game that Putin is actually a master at, you know, for, for these kinds of, of things, because at the end of the day, if, if, if Putin is is working uh, and using using Zelensky and Zelensky is you know sort of his puppet, and they're and they're working together to do what? What would be the 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 goal that they would be trying to achieve? Well, what they're what they would be trying to achieve is let's continue to have the United States of America pouring resource you know good money after bad money. Let's continue to have them pay our you know pay us right. I mean, let's continue to have our gigantic yachts in Monaco that many oligarchs from from Russia and Ukraine have sitting in in the uh, in the in the the Bay of Monaco. And I'm telling you, I've seen them yeah. that when you think about that kind of stuff, you know, and all. And so what is it doing? It's weakening the United States of America, you know, because now let's let's jump from there, Todd, and let's go to the Middle East. Mm -hmm. Right. Because now we're back in the Middle East, you know, in a in a different way with a different nature. You know, the nature of this war is vastly different than the nature of the war that we had in Afghanistan or Iraq. Okay, totally, totally different. And you have to always be very clear on what's the true nature of the war that you're in. You have to clearly define the various adversaries. You have to understand, you know, the objectives of of either side. You have to understand all the strengths and weaknesses and capabilities and capacity that you have. You have to think about all those types of things for the enemy that you have. You have to also look at everything in this particular case in the Middle East. You've got to go back in history, in culture, in attitudes, in the demographics, in the dynamics, and, the, and then, of course, the relationships that exist, right? Never mind, you know, it's, it's not just about, you know, bad Iran, right, it's, and, 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 the, and the terrorist organization Hamas. There's a lot of things that that uh, have been playing out for many, many years. And frankly, I don't think that the Palestinian problem is, is uh, Israeli's problem, is a, is a Jewish problem. I think the Palestinian problem should be an Arab problem. I think the Palestinian problem ought to be Egypt's problem. It ought to be the kingdom of Saudi Arabia. It ought to be the, you know, the, the Emir of Oman, the, you know, the Emir of the UAE, Qatar, you know, Yemen, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Why is the Palestinian problem a Jewish problem? Why is it a state of Israel's problem? It should not be. The reason it is that way is because it is the one thing that the that the rest of the Arab world loves to have as kind of a throw some, you know, throw some fuel on that fire. Let's 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 keep pissing off the Israelis to the degree that we are, right? And now, now though, what has occurred and what we what we see, and this is because I do want to talk about. Uh, uh, the idea of having an objective of survival versus having an objective that is that is uh, unimaginable to most Americans, which is an objective of this idea of I'll just use the word religiosity, right? The mm -hmm. idea of, of 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 what radicalized Islamist ideology can actually uh, portend for uh, a military goal and a military objective. So. So what we're looking at now is we're looking at the nature of an enemy. It's not just Hamas, you know, some some terrorist group, right? These are very sophisticated uh, organizations with a lot of money, a lot of money. Well funded of, by Qatar and others. I mean, yeah. Well funded, not just by Qatar, but by yeah. other. There's a lot of other people that fund them. There's, there's yeah. money that comes out of the United States of America that flows into sure. the Palestinian Liberation Organization, the Palestinian Islamic Jihad. You've got Hezbollah. Hezbollah has 
if you, if you, for those in your audience that might have even been in the region, I was, you know, in 2006 when, a, when an Israeli soldier was snatched from the northern zone checkpoint by Hezbollah at a, at a, at a, at a check, you know, at a, basically a control point entering in and out of uh, Israel, soldier was, was uh, snatched. And they, we almost went to big war there in 2006 timeframe. Well, one of the things that was discovered then was this was the scale of rocketry that was discovered in a, just a couple of places. So now now we know that Hezbollah, under a very, uh, a very brutal and a very but a very qualified leader by the name of Nasrallah, uh, has upwards probably over 100,000 rockets. I mean, 100,000 rockets. So if. If the if Hezbollah wanted to, you know, rain darkness over Israel and shut down or overwhelm, you know, the iron uh, uh, dome concept of of uh, of uh, basically air defense security, they could do it. They could do it in a couple of hours. Yeah. And if you had a coordinated effect. And this is where the, the coordination where a country like Iran is able to coordinate this because Iran does have a headquarters that is operating out of Damascus, out of, out of Syria. And, and that, that, uh, and, and the Syrians, for those that understand it, it's not a great military, but they, but they have a military and they have the, uh, the, I think it's called the Al-Aqsa Brigade, which is probably mm -hmm. their best brigade. So they have about six, six, uh, you know, essentially maneuver brigades, if you will. They're, you know, they're not like, you know, the 82nd airborne division or the third infantry division. But they're not bad, and they know the terrain, right? Mm -hmm. They know the terrain there, and they certainly would would fight in a different way because it's their homeland. So now you've got Hezbollah, you've got Hamas, you've got a couple of other organizations. You have these elements in Syria. You have a a, a command and control element that is uh, that is a, a Iranian backed uh, command and control element. You have leaders that are very very well uh, equipped with experience and knowledge. And one of the things that they discovered in 2006, when they fought the when they fought Hezbollah in the north, was they discovered that they had secure communications. They have a secure communications capability. So, you know, we're not even sure if we're you know when we talk about our the greatness of our national security agency, which is our big listening post in the sky, we're not sure if we're able to capture all of the communications. When people go, oh well, our our guys are so good, we can we, you know we're able to listen to everybody. Well, maybe not. Maybe mm -hmm. not. So, so the, the war in the uh, Middle East, where Israel is all about survival, okay? It's not just about defending the West Bank or defending the Southern Zone or defending the, the Golan Heights. It is about survival as a state. So that's right. Israel's, that's their ultimate goal. That's their sort of 100,000 foot level goal that they have to survive as a state. And they are going to, to do everything that they can to survive as a state. But what they're, and they understand this, what they're facing, but you know, 99.9% .9 of Americans have no clue what I'm, what I'm about to say. What they're facing is they're facing an enemy that doesn't have survival as a goal. In fact, mm -hmm. survival is not something that they don't, they don't, their idea about life is, is an anathema to the way we understand life, right? The consciousness that we have uh, as Americans, never mind, uh, you know, what, what the Israelis think. So we're talking about an enemy that sees death as a path to a different life. I mean, you're talking about an enemy, like, you know, I, I always say, like, what would possess somebody to put a, to strap on a suicide bomb around their, you know, suicide vest around themselves, and knowing that, it, you know, it doesn't even take the the, the, the cell phone or the clacker that they got to, to, to have the thing blow up. It could just blow up because they're so damn sensitive. So what, what kind of a mentality allows that? What kind of a mentality goes and brutalizes babies, children, beheads people? Nobody, nobody, Todd, is, 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 on, is on tourist trips in Gaza or yeah. in Lebanon or in Damascus. People go on tour tri tourist trips all the time and in uh, in israel why mm -hmm. because it's a it's a democracy you know they generally it's a peaceful place they you know that they they, they want to have people come and visit the holy land etc and you do if a guy like me or a guy like you went down into gaza to go on like i want to go on a tourist trip down to the gaza strip right and i started walking down you know main street gaza 
you wouldn't make it out of there alive. You know, they would want, they would, you know, you'd be, you know, you're the, you're, you're the proverbial infidel. So, so the mindset of the two opposing sides in this case are completely different. And the, that means that the objectives and the use of force and the use of power have to be completely thought about differently. And so if we, if we're pushing, which is happening right now, I listened to a little bit of uh, Macron uh, mm -hmm. speech uh, the other day, I guess it was yesterday or maybe it was the day before where he's, you know, he, now everybody's pushing for a, a, you know, peace talks, right? We got a ceasefire. We got to have a ceasefire. We'd have to have peace talks. Well, if there's a ceasefire and declared Israel lost, they've, yeah. they've lost. So if there's a ceasefire, they've lost. Now I'm not, I am, you know, to back up even before the, 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 my narrative or my missive on, on Ukraine. I am totally against war. I am against these endless wars because guess what, America? And guess what, audience? We get an A-plus for participating. We get an F-minus for winning. We have right. forgotten how to win wars. We haven't won a war since, really, since uh, defeating the Nazis and the, and the imperialist Japanese in World War II. We have not won a war yet, period. End of sentence. Don't tell me about tactical battles and every platoon has won this and and Desert Storm, 100 hours, those weren't wars. Those aren't wars that we're talking about now. We've been in 20-plus years of war in Iraq and Afghanistan, and we've lost them both. We now have we now have the Iraqi government that we spent, I think, $6 or $7 trillion on. Afghanistan, we spent over $6 trillion. So we have the Iraqi government now in support of Hamas against the United States of America. Working with Iran. Working yeah. with Iran, and we have, I don't know how many attacks today. I haven't gotten the latest uh, update, but, you know, whatever it was yesterday, it was like over 50 attacks against U.S. forces that are that are uh, operating in uh, principally in Iraq and and, uh, and parts of Syria. You know, I don't know if we've had anybody killed in action yet, but we've had a lot of guys hurt. We've had a lot of people injured. I mean, it's like at a certain point in time, you say to yourself, wow, what is it that we are doing and what is it that we're doing wrong? Well, the principal thing that we're doing wrong is we have the shittiest leadership that we could possibly have leading this country right now. I'm sorry. Sorry. You know, I'm with and, you. And, yeah. And and um they are they're not incompetent. These are not stupid people, you know. It's uh, intentional. Uh, these are these are people that have you know well educated, you know, with all of their Ivy League, you know, you know, frankly, their Ivy League degrees that they can take. And as as far as I'm concerned, they're they're nothing better than whatever you can find in the circular file these days because of all the things that we've learned about the Ivy League and the and the nonsense that's going on in those schools. But we're talking about people in our State Department and our Department of Defense, frankly, in, in uh, the National Security Council, in our intelligence community, who are actually more pro-Hamas and more pro-Palestine than they are pro-Israel. OK, now. There, and I, because I have, I've been, I've been back and forth with a lot of Jewish friends in this country, in America, mm -hmm. and you know, you have to ask yourself, because there's, there's a, there is a, there is a disconnect between the Jewish community in America, because there is a lot of, a lot of the Jewish community, there's a fair number of the Jewish community in this country that is pro-left, yes. pro-democrat, right, and they're, they're sort of pro-woke corporate world right yeah all that and then you have the other element the other side that is sort of the conservative side that is clearly pro-israel so the so the jewish community which is a relatively it's a small small percentage wise and you know for the greater numbers that we have in this country but when you start to look at it you say to yourself okay why would they be anything but pro pro uh, the state of israel why would they not be for the survival of the state of israel and it's you know so there's this I don't know, it's a form of and what the right word is like dyslexia or something that's that's in this country right now, particularly in, in that in that uh, that uh, demographic. And I think that the country uh, is suffers suffers from because of that, because many of them are in places like in the White House, in our diplomatic corps, in our military uh, that that have uh, that have um, uh, influence and decision making uh, influence for sure. And so when I think about uh, what's happening uh, globally, because we haven't even really talked, I, mean, I don't think I even said China once yet, you know, and China's mm -hmm. the bigger problem. China's yes, the, bigger, yes. the bigger sort of bear in the room, so to speak. Uh, but when we are making the decisions that we're making, 
if if the decision is to go to a ceasefire, which would you know clearly maybe stop the bloodshed, Israel loses, and Israel will find itself in a much much more in a much more difficult place if they go to a ceasefire. Although I guess, and I've seen in the last 24, 48 hours, there are now anti-Netanyahu rallies in uh, in Israel, and that's not a good sign. It's not a good sign because if if the outcome is Israel loses then that's not good for the greater uh, the greater good of humanity globally. I'll just, I'll leave it at that because it, there's, there's second, third, fourth order effects that, uh, that will play out if they in fact suffer a major loss, a major defeat. Let me ask you this on Netanyahu. I mean, he, he's a questionable figure. And I, I think you have to, in my opinion, bifurcate Netanyahu in Israel because he's made some, I think, bad, poor decisions on the vaccine issue, on supporting President Trump. And this recent security incident on the 7th or, you know, really doesn't make any sense to me. And so I think he has to bear some responsibility for that. When he does that is is up in the air. But I don't think that was a natural, uh, just an accidental breach with, you know, uh, bulldozers and, and hours and hours and hours of preparation and movement into that area. And they didn't see that. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, well, I did a I, so I was asked, you know, what happened on the mm -hmm. 7th? Right. So that mm -hmm. later that day, a couple hours after I went mm -hmm. on a uh, with another another show mm -hmm. and I said at that time, and, I, and it was speculation, and it's still a bit speculative mm -hmm. uh, on my part. Um, I said a couple of things. One, and they and they haven't they haven't been disproven yet. So yeah. uh, the the first thing that Netanyahu should have done was relieved, fired his southern zone commander, and he should have relieved or fired the Israeli Defense Force, uh, basically the Secretary of Defense. Yeah. Right. The IDF chief. He should have fired them both immediately. And whoever was the seconds, bring them up, uh, because that breach of their security. And I have been in, I have been in the towers on the Gaza. I have been in the town of Idarat on the, mm -hmm. which is basically a little town on the on the corner. You know, when you look at the map right. there. Yeah, I know it well. Been, yeah. I've been in Ashkelon. I've walked the streets of Ashkelon. I've been at the at the border uh, control points there, where I've stood, you know, with the Israeli soldiers there um, in those spots, and I've. I've been through the surveillance um, capability of the Israeli Defense Forces in that area, and I've done it up in up in the northern zone, and uh, you know along the southern border of uh, Lesbo, uh, Lebanon, and I've also been in the uh, same same setup uh, up on the Golan Heights to to learn lessons, to look at their capabilities. I've been in mm -hmm. been in and out of Israel a lot, you know, more than a, probably a couple of dozen times. All in the military. Never been to Israel yeah. as 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 a non as a as a civilian, I guess, um, or as a non-government person. So, so all that said, the only way that that breach occurred is if there was a stand-down order, meaning stay home, go away, no security, no fire watch, nothing, right? No fire guards at the doors, right? Nothing for a period of time from about from about probably two o'clock in the morning until about eight o'clock, uh, you know, six hours later, eight o'clock in the morning, there, there had to have been literally nobody home. Right, nobody and watching the monitors, the nobody, yeah, the, the, the technology. The only way yeah. that that could have happened because in, in, uh, in, in a security uh, uh, zone that you have down there in the Southern zone of Israel, you have layers of security. You have, you know, you have not only right. the, the, you know, the, the, the electronic, and the surveillance, the technical side of the security layer, but you also have the physical side, and you actually have civilians down there that are that are part of that, right? I mean, it's the town of Ashkelon, which is a busy place. So, in order for them to come in and breach what they did, and then hold terrain and do the kinds of things that they did in the in the towns surrounding the uh, the southern part of Israel, in order for them to do that, I mean, there literally could could not have been any military awake at that time. I just it just yeah. blew it blew me away that that happened. So I, I I said that day that he needed to fire those two those two gentlemen immediately to send a message. And maybe later on, if he found out that it was some southern zone commander at a lower level that 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 made those decisions, okay, then reinstate those guys and you and you and you bring that person up on charges. But th there was such a breach 
And now, now that it's not a six-day war and it doesn't look like Israel is going to, you know, going to do what they always done in the in in '67 and '73 and the, and the way the is, you know, everybody's always touted the Israeli intelligence, Israeli military have they've always been able to do all these things. They are able to shoot all these missiles out of the sky that are mm -hmm. flying in from you know Saddam way back in the Desert Shield, Desert Storm time frame, or or Israel, or uh, I'm sorry, or Iran, or some of the missiles that have been fired from Yemen, or some of the stuff that's been fired from Hezbollah, you know, over the years. This is different. This is vastly, vastly different, folks. And the nature of this war is this is a much more conventional war. There is a component of information mm -hmm. that clearly, clearly is 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 winning the day for for Israel's adversary and frankly for our adversary right here in the United States of America, where we've got massive rallies showing up in the streets of America all over this country. You know, we, we are talking about, you know, I don't know how how true it is, but we're talking about, you know, days of rage and 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 we're, we're, we've got we've got threats from from uh, leaders over in the Middle East and different different Arab countries that, frankly, we we've been pouring money into for a long, long time. So yeah. I, I want I want I want people to understand and really in your particular your audience because I think that you you have a great way of of carrying uh, uh, a, a great uh, discussion about foreign policy, intel and defense and all the mm -hmm. kinds of issues that we deal with. And you got a great audience that follows you and listens to you. I, you know, th this is a different time mm -hmm. that that we have ever faced. There's no when somebody goes, well, we've been through this, you know, our Revolutionary War, our Civil War, World War One, World War Two. No. There's no precedent for the period of history that we are in right now. None, zero. Okay, people can. We've been in, we've been challenged before by different elements in our in our time. You know, and when I say our time, the history of this country. But now we're in a place where where the the information component of of our war that we are facing, particularly here at home, is almost the dominant weapon system. It's like the dominant capability. And we don't know what to believe, right? We don't know whether. So I, true. Yes. If so I true. see something online, I see a video of, I don't know, you know, President Macron of, of France talking. I don't know whether it's artificial intelligence or whether it's him, you know, until until somebody sure. finally says, oh, yeah, no, that was actually him. I mean, and then whoever says that, you kind of go, well, do I believe you? So it's the whole thing. So the information component is a weapon system that is that is expanded in role. And in uh, and in capacity and capability, the use of the use of physical weapons to be able to do the things that they need to do in order to dominate physically, you know, the state of Israel, which is which is something where if I if I was to be if I was on their side, if I was on the adversary side. Right. So, again, you're talking you're hearing from a guy that always had to put my feet into the boots of our enemies as I briefed our operators on what they should expect, you know, most likely, most probable, most dangerous courses of action, you know, and this is the way that I think. So if I was on their side and I was the, and I was Iran, I would sit there and I would say, you know what? There's no better time than now to do what we want to do because the United States of America is in the weakest position it's ever been in. They are overstretched in Europe and they're still, you know, you know, they're still when we poured resources into Europe We've poured resources into NATO. We've lost upwards of $14 trillion in just the last 20 years in two, two countries, Iraq and Afghanistan. We've, we're printing money like it's going out of style. We have a border invasion that's going on where we've had upwards of 10 million people come into our country. Mm -hmm. We can't control our own damn streets. We are in a very weakened position. I don't give a shit what the elections outcome were yesterday, which if you want to talk about those, we can talk about those too. But my my... Uh, if I were in Iran's shoes, if I was in their leadership shoes right now, I'd say there's no better time than to let's get Israel off the map right now. So Hezbollah, Hamas, PIJ, you know, uh, uh, Assad in Syria, you know, let's put as, as much pressure as we can physically, because if they go to a ceasefire, you know, one of the one of the ways if you go to a ceasefire is you want to be in a really, really strong position if, if a ceasefire is finally called. You don't right. want to be with your heels 
on the, you know, with your, on your heels, you want to be on your toes, leaning forward in a very strong, like stance where you're ready to like, say, Hey, we're, we hold all the cards. Right. Mm -hmm. And that's the position that I see happening right now. Uh, and these, and these nations that are calling for a ceasefire, guess what? They're not in, they're not in, uh, on Israel's side in this. They're on the, they're on the Palestinian side. They're on this, you know, this two state solution nonsense that, uh, that has been espoused for, you know, for a while now, right? And and so who does this all benefit? Because I do want to mention China. Mm -hmm. This all benefits China, period. Okay, end of sentence. The Chinese One Belt uh, Initiative, uh, you know, their One Belt, One Road Initiative that they've had going on for the better part of two plus decades now, uh, China has, China holds like, you know, they hold like, like 80% of the world's ports right now. They are based out of 80% of the world's best ports. China has, if they, if they want, they have control of the Panama Canal. China yes. has trade agreements with like 75% of the nation states around the world, which equates to almost, almost 75 to 80% of the world's population. China, not the United States, where they are the lead trade partner. Hell, they're the lead trade partner with us. And, and the United States of America, when I just think about the goddamn fentanyl problem, never mind cocaine, methamphetamine, you know, and all the other drugs that are on our streets where our cops have their hands tied behind their back because, because of this, this craziness called defund the police, which actually that, that phrase defund the police comes out of the Bolshevik revolution of the 1920s. Sure it does. Again, Mao so, before that or after that. They're yeah. talking about in, in the last year, just in the last year, we've got close to 200,000 uh, killed killed in action on the streets of America from fentanyl alone. Killed in action, not wounded, not, not you know, debilitated. Killed in action, almost 200,000 in just the last year alone because of Chinese produced and imported through the Mexican drug cartel, uh, you know, and, and imported into, the, into this country through all these illegals. So chemical weapons. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Mm -hmm. So, you know, you know, does that because I'm not I'm not like I don't want to be Debbie Downer, right? Because my life is I'm always kind of like one of these, you know, glass full kind of guys. But we we have got to recognize that the American people, I don't care whether you're Democrat, Republican. I've been both. Right. Yeah. I've been both. You know, it doesn't really matter. You know, what matters to me is is whether or not this country, the United States of America, can survive, if our constitution can survive the onslaught of socialism and communism that is, in fact, uh, you know, in, in, the, in the body of America. And it just, you know, it didn't happen because Donald Trump showed up. It happened, it's been happening, Christ, for, for 50 years, if not 100, but definitely yeah. for a long, long time. The, 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 what, what you needed, though, was you needed a, an opportunity to be able to really grab hold of key leadership and key nodes of our system of government. And they have that, they definitely have that. And it was probably, probably got exacerbated in, you know, in the last 20, probably maybe 30 years with different uh, presidents. And, 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 and I, I look at, I look at some of them, like, you know, people will go, well, he's talking about Obama or he's talking about the, you know, Bill Clinton. I'm also talking about, George Bush, okay, sure. and some of the foolish decisions that we had, like the the the, the very horrific decision to go into Iraq and in, in, uh, when we yeah. went into Iraq for, for weapons of mass destruction, the very famous Colin Powell sitting with the CIA directors, you know, sitting behind him at the United Nations and saying, we can't, you know, we can't allow this basically to happen. We got to got to go get these weapons of mass destruction. That was a lie. That was yeah, a it was lie. all theater. It's all theater. Yeah. So anyway. We, we have got to correct ourselves and how we correct ourselves is we do it. And I, I, you know, I do believe this, that we can correct it at the local level. That means that yep. American citizens have to become citizens again. We have to stop being complacent, stop being lazy. Now, I will, I will say about yesterday's outcome of, of the elections in the, in the country, because there was whatever, 11 states or so that had various forms of elections. You know that the turnout, and I, and I do, these are these are early numbers because I, I look at this, and I'll look at this stat, and this is early. These are early numbers, but the turnout it looks like the turnout in the country, you know, for the country for all these elections that occurred yesterday, the turnout is less than forty percent. In wow. some places, it's less than thirty-five percent. That means registered voters, 
registered voters on both sides, Democrats and Republicans primarily, those are the two main parties, but we're looking at that are registered to vote that actually voted yesterday or, or voted in the, in the mail-in ballot uh, component of, uh, of the, what, what happens now, it's around 35%. That you can't, we can't have a country, and that's been that way for a long time, Todd. And yeah. so if we have that, then all the things that are happening overseas, well, and all the, all the negative things that I outlined that's happening here in this country, we only have ourselves to blame. Instead of bitching about uh, the, the, you know, the, those in Washington, D.C., who, frankly, we voted for. We put them there. You know, the governors, the state legislatures. If you don't show up to vote, because that's my first question when I do talk to a lot of people. I always say, did you vote? You know, where, do you, where are you from? I'm from, you know, Kentucky or Mississippi mm -hmm. or wherever or, or Florida. Where are you from? When was the last time you voted? Well, I don't vote because those they're all those bastards are all corrupt. Well, I kind of say to them, well, you know what, then I don't, I'm not going to take your question. How's that? I because completely agree. You're not completely participating agree. in this conversation because you don't participate as a as a citizen in this country. So anyway, that's kind of my. My, let, let me uh, let me take you. I'm on the. I know you're uh, you're yeah. you're, a rec, you're a rec chairman in, in which county in Florida? In, in Sarasota. I'm not the rec chairman. I'm on the I'm on the Republican Executive Committee. Okay, I'm on the Miami Dade rec in in Miami. Dude. So we have a uh, a real problem in Florida with just kind of an obfuscation from the, the the statewide party from allowing exactly what you're saying to happen. So how do we fix that in the great state of Florida? Well, I wish, you know, I, when, when, uh, when Ron DeSantis ran for governor mm -hmm. and he said, I'm not going to worry about running for president. I'm going to, I'm going to be a, the great, you know, I'm going to be the best governor I can be. And then he gave that up, right? He lied. He basically mm -hmm. lied. Okay. Yeah. So maybe it wasn't intentional at the time, but now Ron, it's, it's a lie. It's pretty so yeah. We, we need, yeah, we need, we need leaders from the top and the governor of a state, like the president of the United States, they, we only have one of those, right? And that executive power gives them a lot of authority to be able to do different things. The GOP chair for the state of Florida is a guy by the name of Ziegler. Mm -hmm. I actually, I've met him. I, I've, you know, I, I can't say that I know him well, but I've met him. And to me, he's a lot of talk. He's a lot of hot air. And he's somebody who could actually, you know, to look at like Miami-Dade or look at Sarasota or some of the other counties that we have and say, hey, we got to fix these things, you know. There's a lot of we have a lot of voting problems. We have a lot of election problems. I mean, the, mm -hmm. you know, we were talking here where I'm at. We were talking about our uh, the election uh, uh, county election commissioner here in Sarasota is now the I guess he's the he's the state uh, rep for the for the uh, for the all the county 67 counties in Florida uh, election commissioners here, the, you know, plural. And so there's a lot of things that we need to do to fix that. I wish that we could get a, a governor and frankly, most states that I wish we could get a governor that just decided to be a governor and didn't have somebody whisper in their ear once they've won the governorship and said, oh, you can, you can be president. You can get lots of money. <laughs> right. Right. And, and then they stop. Right. They stop yeah. and they stop being a leader for the state. You know, if you're a really effective governor in a state, and I mean, really, really effective. And you you really hone in on on the kinds of things that people care about, the grassroots issues. Trust me. If you later on in your life you want to run for president, the the people in your state will back you. The people in the state of Florida, they're not. I mean, they're not going to back Ron DeSantis for, no, for he's president. No, he destroyed his career. He's destroyed. He destroyed it the night he, that the night that he announced for presidency, because a lot of people in this state went, "Well, wait a second. I thought you were going to be our governor. Now you're up in New Hampshire and Iowa, and, yeah. and guess what?" We have a we have the mayor of Jacksonville now is now a Democrat was it was a was a uh, was a, a Republican. This is only a couple of months ago. The voter turnout for that for that election, if I remember the number right, it was like it was like 20 percent voter turnout. Yeah. And I don't think Ron DeSantis went up there one time to champion for the for the Republican running for mayor. So that guess what? You lost. And now Jacksonville is a great city. And, you know. Speaking, like of, speaking of Ziegler, I, I filed, we filed, my group of us filed a 40-page grievance in March, and we haven't even gotten an email yet saying they received it. So, you know, it's 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 a big, big, big problem with the RPOF. We can talk about that another time. And you've given yeah. me 45 minutes, so I really appreciate it. And uh, 
Thank you, General, and hope to see you around the, the great state of Florida. Yeah, I appreciate you reaching out, Todd, and, and thanks to you and your audience, your great audience. And uh, I wish everybody a uh, upcoming veteran, you know, happy Veterans Day. And uh, for all the veterans and all those serving in our armed forces, uh, we really do appreciate everything that you do and uh, the sacrifices that you give on a daily basis. So God bless you. Thank you. Thank you, sir. Take care.